we started off at 8 o'clock at Huck's Chapel, which is over behind the old Corning building, and it was 34 degrees inside the chapel. Yeah, it was chilly. It was 37 degrees outside. It was actually colder inside than it was outside. Uh, but it was where this church was planted. Uh, the chapel was, was uh, birthed uh, in 1893 by uh, Reverend Hook. That's the name, Hook's Chapel. He was a carpenter-turned-preacher, pastor. So much like the story of Jesus, right? A carpenter-turned-preacher-pastor. And Reverend Hook uh, planted seven churches, built by hand seven churches in western North Carolina. As far as I know, that's the only one that's still standing. And they redid it uh, several years ago, maybe 10 years ago, only when they redid it, they redid it to uh, 1893 specs. So no electric, no heat, no, no nothing, no bathrooms. Uh, and so uh, needless to say, it was a 35-minute service. <laughs> we, were, we were in and out. We were cold. Uh, but it was a good, good service. And then we did downtown. Downtown was a great service as well, as much as I'm sure this one will be. The song at the end of the service uh, Always lights me up. That first one, Rattle. Did you like Rattle? I like that song, Rattle. Just makes me makes me want to. I can see those dry bones rattling. Okay, if you're if you're in uh, if you're new to us or if you haven't been here for a while, we've been studying out the Book of Mark and everything's to lead up to this Sunday, Easter Sunday, Mark the 16th chapter. And so, uh, if you're listening around the country, if you're viewing around, we're in Mark 16, uh, and it's a really cool chapter. And the Lord just showed me a, a few verses out of it that I want to kind of pick apart. We're going to read the first eight verses of Mark 16. Then I'll give you a couple thoughts. I won't keep you long today. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, uh, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, with, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you for truth. We thank you that we can stand upon your word, that you are the word, you are life, and you certainly are resurrected. So, Father, we speak right now today. Uh, let our hearts be prepared and open to hear what you have for each one of us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said amen. And the church said amen. I love that. Amen. Be it unto me according to your word, or so be it. Uh, I'm in agreement. So whenever we read the scripture and we see something in there, we say, Amen. As you're in agreement with that. I'm, I'm, Lord, let it be unto me. Let, let that healing be mine. Let that victory be mine. Let that peace be mine. Let, that, let those things be mine. I, I know many of you, and some of, I, some of you I've met this morning, and I, and I love what God is doing at Grace Church about how bringing different people from different sectors of life together. And nothing better than on Easter Sunday where we can gather together and we can, we can praise God together, right? It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you, you have to know our history. I'm born and raised Roman Catholic. You all know that. Janie's full-on Pentecostal. You all know that. And we meet in high school, and it's like two worlds collide. And, and when, we, when we got married, we realized that it's really not about religion. It's just about relationship with our Father. We find relationship with our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we're not a religious crowd. You, you know, you, you're in church, and this is where we meet, but we're, we're the church, okay? Uh, us people here, we're the church. And so uh, I've said it before, I'll say it really briefly. So this church, Grace Church, you've paid off $4 million worth of medical debt for North Carolinians over the last two years. You've knocked on 26,000 doors and asked people if they needed prayer, and you give 12,000 meals a month away. Now, that's, that's the church. That's what the church should be. That's what the church should do, right? And so, listen, you will not be judged when you walk through those doors. You'll be taught. You'll be encouraged. You'll be coached. You'll be lifted high. You'll be prayed for. You might be instructed. 
but you won't be judged. And then we're going to ask the Lord, like we want, Lord, change us from the inside out. Change us to be, to be who you want us to be, amen? That, because that's, that's the ultimate goal is restored fellowship. And so in reading this scripture, I see a couple things that I want to just expound on, on today about the, what the resurrection is. The resurrection, first of all, is inclusive and personal. All right, and so if we go back to verse number seven for a second, it says, but go tell, this is the angel speaking, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Now think about that for a second. Now, if you've been part of this sermon series and this teaching, you know, first of all, that Mark's gospel comes most in part from Peter. Uh, Peter was restoring John Mark. And so this is a really cool thing because I think all of a sudden when Peter's rehearsing this story, he obviously doesn't know what the angel said. We know the Holy Spirit gives unction. He gives us the words. They write the words down. The Marys are there. And all of a sudden, though, it's like Peter recognizes the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter. He makes it personal. Because the resurrection should be personal for all of us. We shouldn't be worshiping our parents' God. We shouldn't be worshiping our grandparents' God. Children, young people, you need to find out who God is. And the only way you can find out who God is is through his son, Jesus Christ. But when you do... You make it personal for him. Don't serve God because mama does or daddy does. You serve God because he's the right thing. He's the right person to serve. And the only way you can serve him is through Jesus. We've got to serve Jesus. Listen, our country needs Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. You and I, we need Jesus. Amen. We got to stop pointing the finger and say, they really need Jesus. I need Jesus. Point the finger at me. We all need Jesus. We've got to stop saying other people need Jesus. We all need Jesus. But the resurrection, it's inclusive. In other words, like I want Grace Church to be, anybody and everybody can come here. Hopefully anybody and everybody gets changed here, amen, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then it becomes very personal to us. I like how Peter understands this and inserts his name in that particular case. Why, why is that important? Because you see, when Peter denied Christ, he was found on the lake shore. And G, he, was found, he was on a boat. In fact, he said in John, the 20th chapter, I'm going fishing. I, like, I don't know what else to do. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to go fishing. And he had such a good leadership skills that he takes five disciples with him. They're going fishing too. And John's one of them. And so they're out fishing. They're not catching anything. They hear a word from the, from the uh, shore. And they see a fire. And, you know, since COVID, I can't smell anything. Jenny says, you smell a candle? Yeah, I don't smell a thing. That was since October. I can't smell a thing. And so, so do you smell that? No. I imagine they smell the fish cooking on the seashore. And Jesus is there. And he says, have you caught anything? It's, it's a reflection of what he told them when he first called them. Not a thing. Throw your nets on the other side. And they catch, they catch 153 large fish to where their boat starts to sink. And John has a revelation. Now, this isn't a big revelation. He says, I think that's the Lord. <laughs> and Peter throws off his coat. And he jumps in the water. And at that moment, Jesus restores Peter. Now, are you with me? Because restoration through the resurrection is personal. It's like, I, I don't know if I'm good enough to be saved like you. I don't know if I'm good enough to, to you know, I, I can't walk around with a, with a cross on my neck. I can't walk around uh, saying a rosary. I can't walk around going to confession. I can't walk around uh, praising God. Like, I, you don't know my story. I don't, but Jesus does. Jesus knows where you were. He knows where you're going. He wants you to make it personal. And when we, when we start to make Jesus personal, see, Peter is telling his story to John Mark, whom, by the way, was rejected by Paul. They go on a mission trip together, and you got to imagine what, like, Apostle Paul, like, you know, he's, he's the real deal. Like, he, he goes where the bad parts are, where the bad people are. He, he goes and he, and he ministers to him. and John Mark was like, I signed up for the mission trip. Like, some of the mission trips, you got to take your golf clubs and have some beach time. I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. 
But Paul's vacation wasn't, a, or mission trip wasn't a vacation, right? And so he, he goes on the mission trip, John Mark goes with him, and halfway through, John Mark, he can't hang with them. So he sends John Mark home. Get out of here. This is too tough for you. And so John Mark comes home, and the first person that meets up with John Mark is Peter. And so I can imagine while Peter is rehearsing this whole gospel to John Mark under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit, and John Mark is writing Mark's gospel down, Peter gets to this point and says, and he goes, he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. And you could put your name in there, and I could put my name in there. And go tell the disciples and Landon. Go tell the disciples and Chris. Go tell the disciples and Janie. Go tell the disciples and dot, dot, dot. But he's not here. He is risen. He's going before you into Galilee. See, when we make it personal, when we make, when we make Christ following personal, then Christ is the one that we have to answer to, Right? And as we answer to Christ, he says he's going to judge our heart on how we walk through this thing. So the resurrection, first and foremost, is both inclusive. It's for everybody. Nobody is shut out. And it's personal. But the personal part is the thing that we have to make it. And I think right here, Peter is actually restoring John Mark to, to, to say, listen, you, you got the goods. You're able to do it. Next of all, the, the resurrection takes us back. He says here that he is going before you to Galilee. This, now, we think Galilee, and when I, when I think of Galilee, I, I, think of, I don't think of like world cities today, like Jerusalem, like uh, uh, Paris, or, or like London, or, or like uh, New York, or L.A., or San Francisco. Not, not even like Charlotte. It's more like, you know, Tacoma. It's more like Hickory. It's more like uh, it's the city just a little bit out of the way. So Jesus isn't going into Jerusalem where maybe we would or maybe I would. Like, hey, look, guys, I'm, I'm risen. No, he goes to Galilee. Why? That's where his ministry started. That's where he, that's where he performed the first uh, miracle, uh, turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. It's where his father said after baptism, this is my beloved son of whom I am well pleased. This is where he saw many, many miracles. This is where he stated, I am. This is where he walked on water on the Sea of Galilee. This is where he stopped a storm on the Sea of Galilee. This is where he, he, he showed in, uh, his disciples what he could be. He gets up out of the tomb and he's going first to Galilee. Now later on he goes to Jerusalem. But this is the thing, resurrection sometimes takes us back. And if you read the book of Mark, you read it in a big circle. It just makes one big loop, which is, by the way, our Christian walk. Why? Because we were severed from fellowship when we were born into sin. But through Christ, we come back into fellowship with him. We return. We return from that fellowship, so we come full. The, the fellowship that God always intended for us is now restored through Christ. And so Peter understands restoration. John Mark is writing it down about restoration. Jesus totally gets it. So he's, I'm going to go back into Galilee for a minute. Why? That's where it all started. You were born and created for fellowship with the Father. Jesus' miracles were done in Galilee. Jesus' time was spent in Galilee. When you read the historical account of Galilee, it's called a waste place. Yet in Isaiah, the Bible says that the Lord uh, ramp, they don't use the word ramp up, uh, the, the Lord explores diligently the waste places of life so that what? He can bring a spring of flowers out of them. You may think that your life is worthless. Can I tell you it's not? God wouldn't have sent his son to die for, any, for, for, for worthless people. The fact that you love Jesus or the fact that you're going to love Jesus, the fact that you're even seeking after Jesus, the fact that you're even here today counts in heaven. It counts to the king. It counts to the one who loves you so much. And so it takes us back around. This, this resurrection takes us back to really what we want to be. Now, we're not finished work yet, are we? You've heard my story. When I get to heaven, 6'5", 245, man. 
and, and hair down to here, I'm just telling you. Y'all say, well, you shouldn't wear long hair. You're a man. I'm hair down to here. I'm just telling you. It is going to flow, baby. It, 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 I am I'm the one that's going to be over there just sitting on a, a riverbank eating some fruit with that long, long hair. When I stand up, I'm going to be like a giant. You know. Where's Pastor at? I think that's that guy over there. Yep, he said he was going to look like that. I'm just prophesying. And I, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm just, I, I can prophesy it. I want restored fellowship with the Father. It doesn't matter what this looks like on the outside. It matters what this looks like on the inside. Right? That's restored. That's fellowship. And then the, 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 the next thing, then, let's go to verse number 8 for a second. Verse number 8 says this, And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, the really key part of this verse is this. Some of the earliest manuscripts do not include this verse, or do not include the rest of Mark. So 9 through 20 actually are excluded on the early text, the early transcripts. Now, when I read this, I think, what, that's, that's almost a bad ending. Like, he's not there, but these, these ladies are afraid. They're, 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 they're trembling. They're astonished. Fear has gripped their heart. They can't speak to anybody. They can't, they can't say anything. And, like, I, I like to write a good ending. I like, to, I like to see a movie or read a book that's got a good ending. I want to, like, the first thing Janie and I ask about a movie, if somebody sees it, does it have a good ending? Like, I want the guy healed from cancer. I don't want him dying. Are you with me? I, I want the bad guy beat up. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that because we're Grace Church, you know. <laughs> Love everybody. <laughs> but, you know, in a movie sense, I, I, want, I, want, I want the good guys to win. I want the bad guys to lose. I, I want the Raiders to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's my story. I want, I, so I, sometimes I'll write a story like about our grandkids because I feel like it's, it's, it's prophesying over them, okay? And like our, our oldest grandson, uh, Brady, he, I, he wants to be an attorney. And so I'm, come on, man. Just, yeah, I might need one someday. You never know. And he's sharp. He's a sharp guy. He's, he's quietly witty, but really like studious. I'm not saying he gets great grades. I think but, like, he knows what's going on. He's a lot sharper than probably he lets on, okay? Our number three grandson, Cam, he's, uh, he's <laughs> his, his father, uh, Jeff, never met a shot he didn't like in basketball in high school. They called him Gunner. We called him Gunner. I don't know if they did. We called him Gunner. That guy just take every shot and make him. I mean, he was a brilliant basketball player. And Cam's like that. Cam just turned six. He hasn't met a shot he doesn't like. He puts and he and he gets it. He he gets it. And, and when we play football with him, he wants to be the tight end. He wants to be the quarterback. Like he wants to be the leader. He wants to be in charge. And like, I'm, I'm writing his story. I'm like, I think he's going to be tied in for Notre Dame just because he's got a Notre Dame name, Cameron Hunter. This sounds like this just sounds like a first round draft pick. It's my story. It's my story, and it's my prophecy. Why 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 would I want to speak death over him? Why not speak life? And little Judah, right? He, he's like uh, super, super cool. Comes running in the house, and he goes by me, and he doesn't say hi, and he runs into we, we have a little closet. Janie's got a coat closet, and the bottom half of the coat closet, it's full of toys, okay? So he goes, he gets in the coat closet and gets the toy closet, pulls out the toys. He's always looking for the same toy every time that he picks it up, and it's a big pink truck, Super pink, super truck, and you'll say, truck, vroom, vroom. <laughs> he looks at me. I'm like, I got to write this story. I think he's going to be a kicker because, you know, it's low risk. <laughs> like, he don't have to make no contact if you're a kicker. And then there's, there's Jonah. Jonah's our, Jonah's our man child. He, it will be just another year or so, and he'll be way bigger than me. He's just a, he's just a big guy. And, and he's really humble and laid back. And, and, and he, he loves, like, you know, all kids love their mama. All kids love their Grammy, you know. Jonah loves his mama. 
Like he, and so Janie sets the table at the house and it's, it's me, it's Jessica, it's Jonah. Like it's like, he's right there. And Jonah's a little inquisitive. Like he wants to know what's going on, but sometimes he's late to the conversation. You know, so he'll say, wait, what? And in fact, I got a screen up there. Because he'll say, wait, what? And we got to peel back the conversation for a second, okay? And just go explain to him, well, this is what happened. And, oh, and then he'll kind of laugh. Like, oh, and, and we've already moved on. But then he's laughing over. Then he'll say, wait, what? And I can imagine that when Jonah says these things later on in life, because I, I picture him as maybe an offensive lineman. He's going to be, I think, maybe six, four, five, and maybe uh, 300 pounds would be maybe light. And, and, and I think he's like they're training him, you know, snap the ball and do all kind of cool stuff. And so I'm, I'm figuring it out. Like he's 10. When he's 23, uh, well, yeah, that might be NFL. I'll be 73. That might be retirement. Like, he is my 401k plan, is what I'm trying to say. It's like, so why don't I want to prophesy into him, right? Why, why don't I pray, God, Lord, let Cam be a first-round draft pick. Lord, let Brady be a, uh, an attorney. God, Lord, would you let Jonah just be a, a mammoth offensive tackle that just is a road grader and plows everybody over? I, 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 just, I will wear whatever color at every team. I don't, I mean, if he hates the Raiders, I'm going to hate the Raiders. If he loves the Raiders, I'm going to love the Raiders, whoever drafts him. But he says, wait, what? And I thought while I was preparing this message, if this is the end of the story, wait, what? There's more. Because we read the book, right? We see the end and we read it towards the beginning, but they're writing it from the beginning to the end. So we have knowledge that they didn't have. And if these ladies are terrified, they're afraid, they're trembling, they're, they're numb, they can't go say anything. I'm like, wait, what? You know, just in a few verses, you're going to see Jesus. And I want to tell you today, wait, what? Because whatever you're going through, just say, wait. What? I think Jesus will hear your prayer. I think Jesus will heal your body. I think Jesus will heal your soul. I think Jesus will heal your mind. I think he'll give you peace that passes all understanding. Wait, what? See, I think you need a wait what moment for just a second that says, wait a second, I've got the gospel of Jesus Christ in my, in my possession. He tells me to ask for anything in his name, and he will do it for me. I'm going to ask. When, when, I, when I hear Jonah and we laugh at the house because he'll say, wait, what? And it, it, some of the kids around here will say it as well. Wait, what? And, it, and it's, it's hilarious. And so we'll start saying it. Janie and I will, on Monday morning, it's our day off, and we'll just look at each other and say, wait, what? <laughs> We're having our breakfast. Wait, what? And it, and it just it becomes a, a catchphrase. But I think if you put it in scriptural terms, wait, What? You mean I can have peace? Wait, what? You, you mean I can have healing? Wait, wait, what? You mean God sent his only begotten son to die for me? Like I'm not worthy? Wait, what? You are worthy? Wait, what? Yes, he is worthy. But then I got to thinking a little bit deeper and I thought, I wonder what it was like on the dark side of the cross when Jesus died. And Satan's hanging out with his little imps. And, and they're like, hey, Lucifer, we got him now. Look at he, I mean, he's bleeding. He, he's, he's got stripes. He, he's, he's saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? Like, he, like, he, like he's turning his back on God and God's turning his back on. Like, look, and they're, and they're celebrating. And then all of a sudden, the veil, the Bible says the veil, 60 feet wide and 60 feet tall and nine feet thick, all of a sudden was split from the top to the bottom. And I can see all of a sudden the, the ground start to shake and the earth begin to quake and the tomb start to open. I can see Satan look over and his imps and say, wait, what? I thought we killed him. I thought he was out of the picture. Wait, what? I thought we wouldn't have to deal with that Christ child anymore. And all of a sudden, they looked into the tomb, the same tomb the two Marys looked at, and he was gone. And he said, wait, what? He's not here. Why? Because he's alive. He has risen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wait, what? 
You thought the doctor said you were terminal. Wait, what? Jesus said you were healed. The counselor said it wasn't going to work out. Wait, what? Jesus said he would make sure it was restored. You thought your past was going to abuse you the rest of your life. Wait, what? Jesus gave you a new mind. He created a new heart in you. He gave you a new life. Wait, what? See, just two words spoken from a, a just-turned 10-year-old and some in many of your homes. Wait, what? I think Satan was saying that about even Grace Church people. Wait, what? What are they doing in church today? Wait, what? They're not supposed to be there. Wait, wait, what? They're not. No, they, we, we had him killed three years ago. Wait, what? We had her killed seven years ago. Wait, what? See, when we recognize that these two ladies that went to the tomb had a wait what moment, I think it's a resurrection way for me. It says, wait what? Wait, wait what? It gives me, a, gives me the opportunity to start now saying, hey, I can, I can write the rest of my story. Not only do I try to write my grandchildren's story or my sons and daughters' story or with my wife, our story, I can now write, if there's something in my life that I don't like, there's something that's taking place within me that, that maybe other people are, are judging or other people are, are saying or other people, or maybe it's my own fault, my own flaws and my own failures that have got me to that point where I can say, wait a second, I can now write the rest of the story. Wait, what? I don't have to live by what people say. I can be who Jesus called me to be. I can be the very creature that God restored and made new again. And when I walk through that, that newness, when I walk through that, uh, that ability, when I walk through that, that treasure of, okay, Christ, here I am. Wait, what? I thought you were. And maybe I was, but I don't have to be anymore. Amen? Come on back, worship team. Wait, what? Wait, what? Think about that just for a second. Because when we, when we engage in the rest of our story, when we engage in what our story looks like, most people, most people probably aren't where they were when they, when they dreamt as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old. Some are, thankfully. Some aren't, thankfully. But when Christ gives us a wait what moment and allows us to write the end of our story, the great author Charles Dickens, Tale of Two Cities, Christmas Carol, he also wrote The Great Expectation. When he wrote The Great Expectation, it was three or four years in the making, hours upon hours of writing, and uh, one of the world's great novelists of all times. He sent the manuscript to three different people, confidence that he just, you know, he, uh, he wanted them, give me your honest opinion. And, and I know uh, even from uh, presenting sermons on Sunday that sometimes honest interpretation is like a slap in the face, right? It's like, and, and it can become demoralizing. Well, everybody loved the book, Great Expectation. They, they were enthralled with it. It was a beautiful book. But all three of them said the very same thing. Uh, Charles, we do not like the ending. And he fell into deep despair, depression. This is my greatest work. What do you mean you don't like the ending? And so all of a sudden he had a great idea. Let me write two endings. I'll write one that's sad. That's the ending I want. And I'll write one that's happy. That's what other people want. And I almost wonder if Dickens wasn't fed by the Holy Spirit in a wait what moment. Because that's really your choice today. You can have the ending the enemy wants for you, or you can have the ending that Jesus died for you. And it's all a matter of just selection. It's all a matter of just saying, wait, what? You mean I don't have to be this person anymore? No. You mean just by following Christ? It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts? It, it's not. But it's desire. It's effort. It's, uh, listen, Lord, I love you, and now I grow in my love with you, and I grow in my instruction, and I grow in that instruction and righteousness and proof, and I grow, Father, Lord, in, in not defending my position, but opening up my heart and saying, Lord, you own everything I am and have now. There's two stories. There's a story of what 
the enemy wants you to look like. And there's a story of what Christ wants you to look like. I ask every person to stand right here. And if, if you're okay with it, just kind of close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. Just as we kind of get into a, an intimate place. If you're online, just, just hang in there for a minute. Maybe this applies to you as too. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus personal in your life, I want you to think about that for a second. If you're like, man, I, hey, he's my father's God, he's my mother's God, he's like he's my aunt's God, but he's never been, he's never been my God, then you just need to make him personal today. If you're here today and you say, I don't really like where this story is going then Jesus will change that story for you. He'll renew your mind. He'll create within you a clean heart. He'll renew you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and you say, hey, I've never made Jesus personal, or if you're here today and maybe you're a strong believer, but you say, I need to rewrite my story. I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Just thank you for that hand. Hand, 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 hand. Thank you for that hand, 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 hand. Thank you for those hands. God bless you. Thank you for those hands. It's okay, man. We can rewrite our story. We can make Jesus personal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, and and I want you to just really hear the words of this song that they're gonna sing because this song may have just been written right for you today. But if you if you need to make Jesus personal, it just goes like this: Jesus, I accept you into my life. I ask for forgiveness of all my sins, and I pray, Lord, for your Redeemer's truth to restore me through the resurrection. That's it. You're saved. If you need to rewrite your story. And here's what I say, what, let, let's die Let's die on the cross together. Let's die on the cross together. Let's go to the tomb together. Let's be resurrected together. And then let's just know, Lord, you've made me new. So Father, I pray today for those that need to rewrite their story, Lord, make them new. Lord, give them a new mind, a new heart. Let them not confined, uh, conform to even this world, but let, let them conform to you and to your desires. And we know the cross is foolishness to those that don't believe, but those to who do believe, Lord, all of our sins have been nailed upon it. So we thank you, God, that new stories are being written right here and right now. And there's you're giving them wait what moments as we speak. Jesus.
writing a story. Your story is just not over yet. I love that. What a great word. Wait, what? The story's not over? Wait, what? There's more to this story? Wait, I can be saved. I can be redeemed. I can be, wait, wait, wait. You put your word there. I can say, I can be healed because I was healed. I walked out of the grave because he came out of the grave because by his stripes I was healed. By his stripes you are healed. So your sickness, your sickness in your life, in your relationships, in your finances, in whatever you're going through, whatever that is, you look at it and say, wait, what? I can be that, whatever that is for you. Amen? How amazing, how amazing. What an awesome God we serve. Amen? I love Resurrection Sunday. I just love it so much. It just gets me so excited. But you know what? We celebrate this every day. And let's just not forget that. Let's just not be, oh, well, it's just once a year. It's every day. We have that privilege to say, thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus, that by the blood I can be saved. I can be redeemed. I can be born again, like Pastor talked about. That The message was so powerful. So amazing. Well, it was just a treat to get to have you all in service together. And <clears throat> I'm battling a really bad cold thing. If you've ever been to our downtown building, it's it's so cool. We love it. But the back steps, I don't think, had been swept since Woolworths was there. <laughs> That's the last time it was swept. Well, silly me, I decided yesterday to sweep those without a mask. That was not a good plan. So I'm kind of eating it all right now. So, but whoo, how fun. Isn't it fun just to get to be real and do life together? And, and I just think that's so cool. So out there, we've got some signs by the grass wall if you want to do some family photos since you're all decked out today. There's some signs that say from death to life or you're looking good. If you want to take some photos, do that. You want to get some coffee or have a donut. We are just excited that, that you were with us today. If you have your offering, you can give at the door at the kiosk or over here there's usually an usher so <laughs> wherever you want to give just give to the lord because we know that's how we get blessed amen all right let me just pray lord we love you and we bless you we thank you so much for your healing lord and i receive it we thank you lord for the people that have came out today, those that are watching online, we pray, Lord, that they not only experience your presence, but they live in your presence every day, that we have that privilege just to feel you so close. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, you said you'd raise a banner, a standard against that, that it cannot hold us back, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that privilege. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Happy Easter. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.